Hi, everyone. This is James Giglio, CEO of MVP Interactive, and welcome to the MVP Podcast. Our podcast will bring insight to a range of topics involving technology, consumer engagement, experiential marketing, and general business-related subjects. This show will host not only our great roster of clients from the professional sports world, along with Fortune 500 brands and agencies, but other entrepreneurs and startups. We hope our podcast brings value, and thank you for listening. For general inquiries or topic requests, please email mvppodcast at mvp-interactive.com and please subscribe to our YouTube page and follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and SoundCloud with account name MVP Interactive. Welcome to the latest MVP podcast. We have a very special guest today. He is known as an entrepreneur, investor, digital strategist, and by the way, NFL alumni, Marcus Colston. Marcus, thank you so much for coming in today. I appreciate you guys having me today. Yeah, you know, we have had the opportunity over the last couple of months to really get to know each other on a professional basis, which, um, you know, you really have a fascinating story. And, you know, we're thrilled that we were able to come together and and you learn a little bit about what we're doing here at MVP uh, Interactive and, um, you know, what you've been up to on the the digital space as well as the venture space. So, you know, uh, obviously, most people know you as uh, a a professional athlete with the New Orleans Saints. You hold every record that uh, a (laughs) man. for the Saints. For now. You, you won myself and a lot of friends NFL uh, fantasy points and, and uh, awards, so thank you very much for that. Um, but, you know, what we really want to talk about today is your life after the NFL. And, and so I think, um, you know, it's a really compelling story and what you've been able to accomplish both on and off the field and, you know, really as one of the, the, the latest pioneers of what pro athletes or former athletes are doing to uh, secure their futures as well as become, um, you know, more more than an individual that is known to uh, to play a sport, and so uh, with that, if you could just give us a little bit of background, you know, starting from maybe even your days in Harrisburg, PA, <laughs> as a local guy, um, just kind of uh, educate our, our our listeners as to your background. Sure. So um, I appreciate the intro first and foremost. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's 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 been a really interesting journey. Um, 35 years is, is sounds like a short time, but I, I feel like I've been able to, to really accomplish a lot and, and really um, just been very blessed in, in you know, uh, some of the opportunities I've been able to walk into and, you know, just try to make the most of them. And, um, you know, you mentioned coming from, from Harrisburg. Um, my story was one that I, I wasn't really a, a very highly recruited athlete, um, you know, coming out of high school. So I ended up uh, at Hofstra University. Um, it was really the only school to offer me a scholarship. Wow. Okay. Um, so really the only school that wanted me at the time. And, um, you know, it, it kind of became a theme uh, for, for my career and, and really my, my post-career uh, life. Um, you know, always, uh, you know, kind of coming in, you know, a little underrated, uh, off the radar and, you know, having to work and, you know, kind of prove myself at, at every level. And, um you know, was able to put together a pretty good career at Hofstra as a psychology major of, of, of all things. Okay. Um, and, you know, again, the, the same theme kind of repeated itself. Uh, was drafted, like, the fourth to the last pick in, in 2006. Um, you know, got down to New Orleans at a, at a really interesting time, um, the year right after Hurricane Katrina hit. That's right. Um, came in with a free agent quarterback that nobody knew if he would be able to throw the ball again and, and a rookie head coach. And, um, you know, we, we, we were able to come together and, and accomplish some, some really cool things down there at a time, you know, where, where the community really needed us. And, um, you know, it's just been a really, really interesting journey for me. And, 
Um, I, I kind of mentioned that theme of, of kind of, you know, being under the radar and, and flying under the radar and really embracing that, that opportunity and that challenge. And, um, you know, I've, I've been able to take a lot of those experiences um, and, and a lot of those life lessons and really apply them into to entrepreneurship as as I transition from from sports into sports business. Yeah, you know, that's that's an interesting theme, too, uh, in, in the entrepreneurial circles. Right. I mean, I think everyone understands that, you know, there's. When it comes to business and entrepreneurs, you're always going to have that sort of pool of talent coming out of your Harvards or your Ivy Leagues and, mm -hmm. and some of those unicorns, that type mm -hmm. of uh, startups. But then for the overwhelming majority, you know, the, the theme has been really this, you know, I wasn't the best student. Um, you know, I wasn't highly regarded as in the classroom or through academics, and mm -hmm. but I was a hard worker and I had I'd always been, uh, you know, someone that wanted to make things happen regardless of what teachers or principals had said. And so, um, you know, I find it very interesting that I, you know, and people always talk about, you know, the immigrant uh, mentality as well, where, mm -hmm. you know, uh, I think in the book Freakonomics, where you really try to, um, the author tried to pinpoint, you know, what's that ingredient for success in business or entrepreneurs. And, yeah. and it really comes back down to, I think it's, you know, it's second generation immigrants that tend to be more successful because of that work mindset, right? Yeah. And, yep. and, and really hustling your way to, to willing things to happen. And, and I think it takes takes that underdog mentality mm -hmm. to really drive you. Now, again, it's not the universal rule or law, but I think both personally, I, I can really relate to that, that message as well. Um, so it's, it's really great to hear that you had that chip on your shoulder as an athlete that mm -hmm. kind of taught you or at least drove you to succeed at whatever you, whatever you do. Yeah, and it's funny you mention that, and I think that's one of the one of the pieces that that has has made the transition a little easier for me is because there are some of those transferable um, skills and transferable, um, you know, there, there's just these 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 baseline tenets, and um, it's something that I always refer to as as irrational confidence, mm. um, and that's something I, I, I've probably started saying about two years ago and and really for for me and, and really as I watch and and kind of uh, get to know entrepreneurs it's it's really the same thing it's this understanding of of what the odds are um, they're not in your favor um, but ultimately you know through hard work through dedication and and this unwillingness to to um, to let go of, of where I ultimately want to end up mm -hmm. um, you know, I can I can overcome those odds and and, you know, those that 99 percent, you know, failure rate that applies to everyone else, because I'm going to work myself into that one percent. Right. Right. Um, well, that's fascinating. So let, let's let's talk on that still. Let's extend on that, because I, I, I really wanted to wait, um, at least originally in my mind to kind of wait to the end of the conversation to really talk about the parallels as um, what you had learned on field. But, you know, if we're, if we're staying on that, that vein of irrational confidence, I'd imagine that there was a level of that as an athlete as well. Um, and so, especially coming into a late draft pick, you know, mm -hmm. a one double a school or what have you, mm -hmm. um, what would you say, because I hear this a lot from, especially NFL players, you know, that football is the greatest life lesson. And unfortunately, I hadn't had the opportunity to. I was a late bloomer. I couldn't necessarily. <laughs> football wasn't my sport, right? Mm -hmm. But uh, what is it about football that is distinctly different from any other sport, at least on how it sets you up for life down the line? I think there, there's, a handful of, uh, there's a handful of things I can point to. Um, first and foremost, there, there is no 
more adversity than literally getting knocked on your ass <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and, and, and having to, having to get up time and time again. And I think, you know, though that, that physicality, um, you know, people look at football as kind of this barbaric, you know, physical, physically driven sport, which you, you actually do have to, you have to be a physical person to, to, to play it. And you kind of have this, this physical toughness about you, but more, more than anything else, you got to have and develop this mental toughness, um, you know, to line up across from somebody that is is just as prepared as you, just as talented, just as as strong, agile, all, all the physical attributes, and you know, go to battle with them, play after play, knowing that you're going to win some, you're going to lose some, um, you're going to knock him on his ass, he's going to knock you on your ass, right? And um, you got to do that sixty times a game. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so I think that that physical adversity is something that translates really well and that's something that you know even you know playing the game from a young age that's something that if, if you can learn to deal with with that piece mm-hmm. um it kind of sets the stage for for how you handle adversity and how you process adversity um you know the the other piece i think that's really important and, and really applies to to business and, and really life in general is um it's it's the ultimate team sport right um you know the position that i played you know People like like to joke that it's the diva position, um, <laughs> right? But but in reality, it's it's probably one of the most dependent positions on the field, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I could do my job. I could I could run the perfect route, get wide open, and you know, there's no guarantee that the ball is coming to me. Right. If you know the, the center or the guard missed their block, um, you know the running back missed the blitz pickup. The the other receiver didn't run the complimentary route to get me open. Uh, the quarterback threw a bad ball. There's, there's so many there's so many factors that go into me actually having uh, a chance to be successful at my job um, and really being able to be accountable on one side, but be um, be dependent on your teammates and, and, you know, always be in positions to lift your teammates up and, and kind of help help them accomplish their goals so that you can accomplish yours. Right. Um, I think those two pieces are what really helps. Um, you know, what really positions football, you know, as, as this, this kind of this, this, you know, life lesson, this kind of beta test for life. Yeah. I mean, it, it, what you just explained is uh, quite literally a microcosm of what it's like to be in a startup in a business. And um, because, you know, one of the things that we experience often is, you know, we hear a lot more no's than yes. Right. And, mm-hmm. and so it's very similar to, you know, those times of getting knocked on our ass. And it's, you know, the the fact is, OK, there for as many no's as there are, there's going to be as many yeses and opportunities. Mm-hmm. And, and it's important to just stay focused, to kind of get up, dust yourself off and, and really um, you know, make the effort to, to get to those yeses. And so, mm-hmm. um, and then obviously the dependency on the team, I mean, no businesses are, are done by one individual, right. Mm-hmm. You know, and you need a great supporting cast and that's, um, certainly something I can uh, relate to as, as well here at MVP. And, um, you know, knowing that the next person, uh, is, is going to maintain their responsibilities is, mm-hmm. is really paramount to success on any level. So, Absolutely. Yep. so that's great. So, um, Understanding that, and I feel like, you know, coming out of, um, you know, retirement, if you will, which is kind of crazy to hear (laughs) as someone that's, you know, uh, in their 30s, right? Um, Having all of these life lessons and, you know, um, just being educated by hard knocks, quite literally, at what point 
did you kind of see yourself transitioning into the venture side or the business side? I mean, was that happening during your career? Mm -hmm. Was there anything in particular, um, maybe a teammate, maybe a coach or a mentor, what have you? Tell us a little bit more about that moment that you knew that you wanted to go here. Yeah, I mean, it, it's something that um, it, it that entrepreneur bug hit me uh, about halfway through my career. And I think a lot of it is just, you know, who I am as a person, my makeup. Um, you know, I've always been someone that, uh, you know, I'm always looking for new challenges and, you know, not necessarily uh, ever looking to, um, you know, fit into a mold. Mm -hmm. Right. So, you know, one of the things that that always I wouldn't say bothered me, but it it, it it was always front of mind for me was, um, you know, you, you kind of get grouped into this this athlete bucket, right? And, mm -hmm. you know, the cliche is the, you know, the dumb jock mentality. Right. But, you know, a little bit deeper than that is is I've always had this mentality that football is, is what I do. Um, it's not who I am. Mm. And, you know, blessed and fortunate enough to, to be able to do it at a really high level, but there's more to me than, than this game. And, um, you know, that mentality, you know, combined with, you know, a couple really strong mentors and, and advisors that, um, you know, my, my financial advisors, uh, my financial advisory team just happened to be former uh, NFL players. Okay. Um, so, so they instilled in me, you know, pretty early, um, you know, that, that, you know, this is, this is a really short window, a uh, mm -hmm. really, really tight window. And, you know, when you get drafted in the seventh round and you understand, you know, back to that irrational confidence, I mean, you understand that you've got a less than 10% chance to even be on a roster right. <laughs> for week one, let All alone right. play a long, you know, uh, you know, a long, illustrious career. So um, kind of had this, this interesting mix of situations and people enter my life that you know, got me, got me thinking a little earlier than most about life after. Um, so, um, my, my fourth or fifth year, uh, I kind of, you know, made that plunge and, um, my, my first real venture was, was actually an indoor football team, um, back in Harrisburg in my hometown. Okay. And, um, you know, I initially, you know, there, there was an indoor football team coming and they were looking for investors and, um, my initial thought was, you know, I'll maybe invest and be a silent partner and this could be a really cool uh, community outreach platform. You know, right. it's in my hometown, right. you know, create some jobs, you know, create some entertainment. Um, so this is something that, you know, passively invest in and, you know, go to a couple games, take my family, that, that, that sure. kind of deal. And, um, you know, I did, did the, the passive thing for a year, which is really not my nature, but mm -hmm. I tried it anyways. Um, you know, really, really enjoyed it. You know, got a chance to, to, you know, actually take a look under the hood and, you know, see what the business side of football looked like. And, uh, you know, ended up falling in love with it. And uh, my second year, I ended up buying my partner out, became the, you know, the, the majority owner and uh, literally ran every facet of the organization wow. um, from soup to nuts. So, um my, drove my wife crazy at the time. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, well, let's talk about this in terms of the soup, soup to nuts nature of it. Mm -hmm. And as people that are listening to this and, and even me, um, you know, what have you learned in terms of, you know, being that sort of passive partner or the silent partner to then really getting your hands dirty? Mm -hmm. Um, you know, what lessons did you learn there in terms of what it meant to be a business owner? And, you know, what would you tell yourself now back then? Yeah, it was really interesting. Um, you learn really quickly that um, 
everyone has an opinion, right? <laughs> so, so as that passive owner, you know, I kind of had my opinions on how things should operate. Um, and when I actually got the reins, uh, it was that slap in the face, like, okay, there, there's things that you want to happen and there's things that have to happen. Right. Um, and those two things don't necessarily align uh, a lot. They, they, they very rarely align. Um, so, so for me, it was, um, you know, kind of getting everything uh, thrust onto, onto to your plate and figuring out how do, you, how do you manage time, how do you manage resources, how do you create resources, um, and at the same time, how do you, how do you uh, figure out that work-life balance? Sure. Um, so there were, a lot of, there were a lot of lessons that I was learning on the fly um, just in, in how to manage the opportunity, let alone all of the technical aspects of every facet of the business. Um, which, you know, you know, unofficially became my MBA. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny because I, I talk about this often where, you know, an MBA had always been sort of an interest of mine, mm -hmm. but there is no comparison in my opinion that this is going to be your best education by doing and, and getting yourself involved. So mm -hmm. on the, on the education note, let me ask you this though, you know, with that first venture, did you have to pull some of your psychology education <laughs> into managing, uh, you know, some of those individuals? Yeah, uh, the, the the prime the, the prime individual was myself. It was a lot of those those okay. you know those self talks in the mirror, like what the hell are you doing? Um, yeah. You know, because I was literally still playing. So I was I was down in New Orleans. And, oh wow! Okay, <laughs> yeah, I was okay. down in New Orleans. You know, uh, playing in the fall would fly back uh, to Harrisburg in the spring and literally run the team because it was a spring league. So uh, yeah, I mean there there was a lot of um, there was a lot of soul searching and and you mm. know just trying to figure out you know what's what's the end game here. Um, definitely had to you know kind of talk my wife into it. Sure, sure. <laughs> uh, because it's it's I mean you know you know more than most. I mean it, it becomes it becomes your it, it encompasses you. Right. Right. Um, and, and see, that's the key, though, because I think especially now with this trend in entrepreneurship and, you know, social media is a, is a big sort of um, platform for a lot of people that may think that they are or mm -hmm. do things that like, oh, OK, I'm doing this. So I'm an entre entrepreneur. But what you just said really resonates because I think that is the that's the true indication when when it becomes an obsession, mm -hmm. when it consumes you and, and there is not a waking moment in your head that you're not thinking about that business mm -hmm. is really when you're in it. Yeah, <laughs> right. Sure. And, yeah. and it's almost like if you, if that's not happening, then just write it off because it's, it's just not going to work. It may work for short term, short term, mm -hmm. but you know, you can't really be in this pool together. No, I mean, it, it, that's so true because it, it's, it's easy to be an entrepreneur when things are going well, right. but, but to, to your point, it, it's when you, when you start getting hit, you know, with those punches to the gut, um, and you really have to, to take a look in the mirror and, and you know, you got to find the, you got to find the, the wherewithal to deal with that and, and actually, you know, envision what it looks like on the other side of that adversity. So, right. you know, it kind of entrepreneurship is, is really in a lot of ways, how do you, how do you process adversity? Um, because that's, that's one of the few certainties in entrepreneurship. Right. There is going to be adversity. Sure. Um, whether it's personal, it's, it's on, on the business front and how do you, how do you process it? How do you deal with it and, and use it as, as kind of that engine that can continue, um, you know, pushing, you know, forward. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And again, not to, sorry to bring it back to, um, 
to football. But I mean, I, I think one of the things that I identified with is like, you know, you have to take the highs with the lows and try to remain even keel. And, mm-hmm. and I think that's another theme in playing sports as well, mm-hmm. where you're going to have successes, you're going to have some failures, mm-hmm. but it's how you process that, as you say, and, mm-hmm. and just how you keep going. So uh, again, I mean, it's just an amazing parallel that, that keeps happening, right. You know, with, mm-hmm. with, with the, uh, the crossover. Absolutely. Um, okay, so um, as as some know, uh, I know that you're now a um, a part owner of the Philadelphia Soul as well. And so, what were you able to? It, it, and maybe I'm just speaking for you here. And though it, you had a, a first team, your first team in Harrisburg, and mm-hmm. now you had that under your belt. Talk to me about the transition to maybe even going to uh, maybe a higher tier of an arena team, and then what that what that looks like. Yeah, for sure. So, so the the sole opportunity was it was a really interesting one um, because it, it was it was still ownership, but it was it was in a lot of ways a different role. Um, so, you know, in Harrisburg, I was this owner operator, um, you know, running, you know, business ops, football ops, personnel, marketing, sponsorship, the whole nine. And what that allowed me to do was step into the opportunity with the soul with this much clearer picture of exactly um, what the business side looked like. Um, and it allowed me to, to actually partner with some really established business folks on the football side, on the, on the, on the, the business side as well. And it, it really positioned me to have some interesting conversations with those guys and also be able to take a lot of the workload off, off of my plate as well. So right. um, it, was, it ended up becoming um, a natural uh, next step in my progression um, just in terms of, you know, the, the types of deals and the types of, um, you know, really it, it, it became scale, right? So what I was doing in Harrisburg um, was very similar to what, what's happening at the soul level. Um, you add a zero or two. Um, mm. and you know, as you continue to move up the, up the, the, the food chain, um, you know, the business doesn't really change. It's, it's literally running it at scale. So when you get to NFL, NHL, NBA, you just add another zero or two and, and it's, you know, the nuts and bolts of the business are very similar. Right. Um, right. you know, so, so that next step into, into the soul, you know, really, um, in a lot of ways it's cemented in my head, um, you know, the, the education that I was getting and, and the boots on the ground, you know, experience, uh, it, it almost validated it for me that, you know, I could step into, you know, um, a situation that, that had been around for a while, won a championship, um, you know, had owners like Ron Jaworski, Craig Spencer, Cosmo DiNicola, um, and, you know, have conversations and actually, you know, have real conversations around business strategy and, and you know, how do we move this thing forward it kind of became a, a, a valid, like a self-validation for me that I was, um, you know, going down the right track. Right. Right. And, um, again, you, you said another, um, phrase that, that spoke to me, uh, is that you considered yourself an owner operator at the Harrisburg team. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like, you know, once you were able to kind of remove yourself of the day-to-day operation in the weeds, so to speak, mm-hmm. and now with the soul that you're an owner where you have that extra zero, or at least you have a scale mm-hmm. that makes you more of an owner than an operator. And I mm-hmm. think that is a big struggle for a lot of businesses, especially small businesses where, um, you know, that pivot period hadn't happened or that scalable moment hasn't happened. And, mm-hmm. and so, you know, you, you operate 
the business versus owning the business. Or, you know, I, I read something recently that said, um, you know, once indivi- individuals, you know, CEOs or uh, business owners should be working on the business, not in the business. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's like a, that's another example of, you know, kind of transitioning into a growth and knowing mm-hmm. that you're on that right path. And, For sure. and so that's, that's really fascinating. Um, okay. So on this, on this Avenue here, we go from arena, uh, you know, Harrisburg to Philadelphia arena team. Do you have aspirations to kind of take it to the next level or, <laughs> uh, is that, is that off, <laughs> off limits here? <laughs> Um, I, I don't know. Um, you know, we'll kind of see, see where it goes. Um, you know, there's, there, there, I don't think there will be a shortage of opportunity. Um, just in, in the sense that, um, the sports landscape is, is literally changing on a regular basis. And, um, I think we've just in the last decade, we've seen what, what's happened with the MLS and, and how that, right. that, you know, league has expanded into, you know, it's now considered one of the one of the big five, I guess. Um, so, you know, as you look at esports and you look at a lot of these other uh, niche sports leagues, um, you know, that are popping up, um, you know, we'll kind of we'll kind of we'll see, see okay. what the future holds on, once we get there. All right. All right. We'll see you in that owner's box on TV one day. <laughs> we'll see. Um, OK, so um, I thought it was um, coincidental. Uh, you know, a lot of the things that we do now are still very much out in the open in the marketplace. And, you know, we're at venture funds and, um, you know, pitches and things of that nature. So um, I guess it was maybe six months ago. I we coincidentally ran into each other at one of the tech sports tech forums and uh, investors or pitches and all of that good stuff. Uh, we sit on opposite sides of this table <laughs> in terms of, um, uh, you know, startup versus uh, investors. So uh, talk to us a little bit about your involvement on the investment side or on the venture side and, you know, companies that you're involved with, what you like, and maybe even some lessons there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, my, my experience on, on the venture side is, it, again, it's, it's for, for me, it's, it's all been, you know, kind of this journey and this, this progression. Um, you know, and hopefully, you know, we're, we're not at that point of culmination. Hopefully there's a lot more, you know, ahead. But, um, you know, I've, I've been in the, the angel investment space since about 2012. And um, my focus has, has always been on sports technology. Um, you know, so it initially started around uh, performance. You know, so, so the big data craze was, was starting to pop up into, into sports, um, you know, towards the latter part of my career. And it was just an opportunity where, where I could enter into a space and, and you know, have a, a really unique understanding of at least one component of the business and be able to learn everything that be able to learn the context around that 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 one angle. Um, so I, I initially started as an angel investor there, um, realized that that I was I was never going to build a portfolio of, of 30 companies and, you know, just kind of sit back and wait for right. for one to hit. Right. Um, realized pretty early on that I was more of an entrepreneurial investor. I uh, was somebody that, you know, if I if I really believed in a company, I would invest and I would roll my sleeves up and, you know, play an active role in helping the company get to the finish line. Um, so so I kind of worked at that uh, for, for a handful of years, um, ups and downs, um, really learning what it what it meant to be a technical investor. Um, and there's a lot of nuance and a lot of education in there. Um, so, you know, I kind of carried on with that on the angel path for a while and, and, you know, realized that at some point I had this, this interesting perspective, right? So, so I, you know, 
NFL player, um, owner operator at, at the pro sports level, and was stepping into this investment space. And um, there just weren't a ton of people that had that, that same that same resume that, that I was building. And um, at the at the same time, you know, uh, one of my partners at the Soul, you know, we'd be having conversations around. You know, we we see what's going on here. We we see the the rise of of uh, sports tech, and we see that this this point of intersection that started in performance and data and analytics and big data around around performance, the scope was starting to expand. And um, you know, as that intersection point continued to grow into into media into fan engagement, um, you know, we quickly realized that there was going to be an opportunity to leverage you know our, our knowledge and our expertise and our platform of, of arena football um, into, you know, opportunities to work with early stage companies. And um, that that ended up evolving into a, a group that we launched about 10 months ago called Delta Venture Partners. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so we're, we're a group based in based in Philadelphia um, and we're, we're what you would call a venture development firm. Um, so we, we work with uh, sports sports. Uh, sports entertainment hospitality companies that, that are tech enabled. And, um, you know, we look to bring, you know, uh, marketing, business development support, um, IP, intellectual property, um, you know, patents, trademarks, that, that kind of support and strategy. Um, and the ability to, um, you know, beta test and, and um, really walk the companies that we work with into opportunities to, to validate their product or service and you know really get in front of people that normally they they might not have access to um you know so we saw an opportunity to really package those those three things up and you know being you know in the startup world and being you know on the sports side you understand where where some of those those soft soft spots are that you can take advantage of um so we we started to package that up into into delta venture partners and um you know we've we've had had a lot of fun you know um you know finding the right companies and the right entrepreneurs that we wanted to work with. And, um, you know, that, that last piece is, is, is just as important as the company. We've got to, we've got to, we want to partner with entrepreneurs that, um, you know, we feel like are, are, are very passionate, very knowledgeable, of course, but, um, you know, are, are, are people that we, we enjoy being around, um, because, right. you know, this isn't a, this isn't a, you know, six month engagement, you know, this is, um, we understand that the time horizon is, you know, seven to 10 years. So we've got to, we've got to be able to be around people, have fun with people, work hard with people, um, that we ultimately want to share success with. Right. Absolutely. And so I think you answered my next questions or set of questions or, or comments and in, in that understanding that as on the invent, investor side of things, most companies or funds really have a thesis. Um, in terms of maybe the vertical, right? So you have your biotech, you may have sports, you have um, um, fintech and all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you did answer it, but I, my question is, you know, outside of the vertical, what do you really look for in businesses and the entrepreneurs that are involved in those as as real interest points for you guys? I mean, we, we try to keep it as simple as possible. Um, obviously, we, we have, you know, the, the technical back end, you know, on the, on the diligence side and to make sure that, you know, companies, companies are in position to actually grow. Um, but, you know, initially what attracts us to companies are, 
the opportunity to, to leverage our resources and actually, you know, really move the needle. Um, and the, the other piece is, is like I mentioned, uh, we, we want to work with entrepreneurs that, that are, are um, you know, good team members. Right. Right. We, we want to be able to, to roll our sleeves up, um, you know, and, and literally, you know, become part of the founding team in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, and you know, there's, there's, there's gotta be a cohesiveness there and there's gotta be this willingness to, to, to go back and forth and, and work with one another, knowing that again, that adversity is coming. <laughs> um, so can, can we, can we augment a team and, you know, become part of a team that's, that's, you know, battle tested and ready to face adversity and uh, work through it and get to the other side where, where success ultimately is. Yeah. You know, I find it really interesting too, in, in terms of how you've structured Delta, Delta venture um, partners in, in a very unique way, because on the other side of that, that coin from a business or a startup p- perspective, I think there's this, this idea that any money is good money, right? Mm-hmm. And so, uh, hey, we're going to raise X amount of dollars. We want millions of dollars. We want seed of it. And, and, you know, you're just kind of cash grabbing and, you know, and that's sort of the mantra of a, a startup, right? Mm-hmm. And I think one of the lessons that we've learned um, and sort of this carries on to a philosophy is that, you know, strategic partnerships or the partnership that is tied to any level of of investment is far more important than the actual dollar figure. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, and I'll argue that all day long. I mean, sure, a million dollars will do a lot of things for people. Mm -hmm. But if you're getting half of that with the right partner, that's going to transcend, you know, the bank account for the short term. Right. And, and so I think what you guys are doing is, is really smart because a, it's not only just a, you know, cash fund, it's really more of a strategic working fund, mm-hmm. um, in the sense that you're, you're adding services that companies may need and couldn't necessarily, or traditionally pay top dollar for IP or uh, things of that nature, or even marketing expertise. And so, um, you know, really unique model. Um, so, uh, congratulations on that. And it's, I, I think it's nice to see that you guys are local to the Philadelphia area as well. And I think the emerging tech scene here is, is, um, fascinating to be a part of. And, mm-hmm. you know, we're really, you know, I think this is the, the story of Philadelphia as a whole in a lot of ways that were overlooked by some of these other larger cities, whatever the industry may be, mm-hmm. um, you know, whether it's in the startup world, the New York's and Boston's and maybe even D.C. So uh, forget about what's happening on the, the West Coast, <laughs> let alone that. But it's a whole different world. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. And so I, I think it's great that, um, you know, us included, that we're, we're a part of this budgeting kind of growing startup scene and tech scene and, um, you know, to, to hopefully really kind of extend it to, you know, eventually a Comcast level of uh, recognition <laughs> um, with what we're doing here in the city. So, yeah, I, I think that's the goal. And, and you know, being local, um, you know, living in, in, you know, South New Jersey, you, you can feel that there, there is this tech scene that's, that's bubbling. And, and obviously sports has been really, really important, um, you know, just to to the to the makeup of the city. And I think, you know, being in sports tech in this time and space is, is really unique because all the sports teams are really playing well. Um, the sports tech scene as a whole, as I, I think, starting to get more and more recognition and it's starting to it's starting to creep into other industries that you wouldn't traditionally think, mm-hmm. um, you know, would be a part of it. So 
I think there's this there's this there's this unique space and time um, that that we feel like, you know, we we definitely want to be a part of the emergence, and at the same time, there's there's kind of this soft spot uh, that we feel like we can we can really you know leverage uh, to to you know help some of these companies you know get to get to the forefront a little quicker. So, outside of the maybe. And maybe this is the answer, but speaking to to Philadelphia, um, was your interest in the Harrisburg team one of the main driving factors that brought you back to this area, uh, knowing that, you know, with generally where you work is where you live. And so for mm-hmm. 10 years, you were in, in and around the Louisiana, New Orleans area. So um, talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, I, I loved my time in New Orleans. Um, <laughs> I'm sure. You know, <laughs> you know, you win a Super Bowl any city. You're, I mean, you're you're the mayor, right? Yeah, you, you get dropped into New Orleans at 22. Some some interesting things happen. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, no, I, I love love my time down there. Um, you know, ten ten years. Uh, both of my children were actually born in in New Orleans. Um, so it, it was it was tough to leave, but at the same time. The rest of my family is is here in in New York, uh, not New York, uh, in in Harrisburg. Um, my wife's family is here in in South Jersey. Okay. And you know, family has just always been you know the, the the main driver for me. So we knew at some point we'd always end up back in the Northeast. And um, you know, South Jersey just it it just represented a really a really good opportunity for us. Um, to be close to Philly, to be close to New York, close right. to DC, right. you know, and just kind of be right centrally located in those, those metro areas as, as, you know, we were trying to, trying to grow businesses and, and really trying to take, you know, our business experience and acumen to the next level. Um, so that's, that's what, what initially uh, family and, and opportunities, what drove us here. And, um, you know, We'll probably be here for the long haul just because there there is so much there is so much anchored here for us. Right. Right. Very cool. Well, Marcus, I could probably talk to you for the next four <laughs> or five hours straight, but uh, I know that we have a, a business to run and you have things to do. But before we go, I want to ask you if um, who is it that you look up to in this space in terms of, you know, being uh, a very similar makeup as you, whether they're former athletes that are now in the venture space and, you know, whether we speak to Kobe, the Kobe Bryant's of the world or, or uh, LeBron James or someone even outside of sports that you really Really can admire in a sense or at least learn from and um, that kind of helps you in this this whole body of work that you're involved in that's that's a really interesting question um and i, I guess i'll take the easy way out uh, <laughs> <laughs> no like even even as a player um you know i kind of realized where my strengths and weaknesses were and i always took the mindset that i would take you know bits and pieces of the players that that not only I admired, but I thought that, you know, we had similar skill sets, at least in those particular areas. Um, so that's that's kind of how, how I approached, um, you know, my playing career. And I guess my approach on the business side is, is very similar, you know. So, so I'm definitely um, aware and, and cognizant of a lot of the athletes that are, that are doing really significant things in the space, you know, across the board. Um, whether it is Kobe with the, the venture fund and, and uh, Carmelo Anthony's doing a, uh, you right. know, really, uh, interesting, uh, deal with his, I think his mellow seven, um, what LeBron is doing really across the board, just, you know, uh, watching him, you know, be in the spotlight from age 16 to where he's at now and right. seeing that evolution real time and, you know, understanding that, 
you know, in a lot of ways, the media world has been waiting for him to fail, and he just hasn't given right. him that bait. Um, there's a lot that you can pull from that. Um, you know, seeing what he's doing on on the education side and the community and the you know social justice and community outreach side. There's there's a lot that I that I try to pull from uh, various individuals doing doing really good things. Okay, fantastic. What final statement? What piece of advice would you give someone looking to get involved in either entrepreneurship or uh, starting a business and um, and again that that's across the board no matter what the background is I mean I, I would probably um, I would probably go back to to that irrational confidence statement um, you know th- the the odds are going to be the odds and you know, your ability to understand those odds and take the, the necessary steps to, to de-risk your, your opportunity um, is going to be important. But at the same time, um, you know, letting your success become a product of the work and the dedication that you put into it. Right. Um, you know, it, that's, that's a hard, that's a hard uh, landscape to navigate. But if, if you can figure out the, the best way to understand what the risk factors are and where the pitfalls are um, and be willing to to work your way through, um, you're going to you're going to set the stage for yourself to, to have a chance of being successful. Absolutely. Very inspirational, um, despite being in the weeds still and, and kind of <laughs> running that, you know, it's always nice to hear. Um, some other voices that that really understand it. And, you know, it's not about moving left or right of that pitfall. It's just running right into it and com- coming out of it. Right. That's it. Like that's it. And so that wall sometimes. And, and, and that and that transcends <laughs> beyond business and in, in life in general. So that I think that's a fantastic point to end. And so thank you, everyone, for tuning in to this episode. Uh, Marcus, would you like to promote any social channels or uh, anything that you'd want our listeners to kind of follow you on or keep pace on? Um, no, I mean, okay. you know, keep, keep, uh, keep checking out MVP interactive, man. Um, oh. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's been, it's been a joy to get to know James and, and his team and, um, you know, kind of get a behind the scenes, look at what, what all you guys are doing and, and, you know, really excited for, for the next steps for all you guys. Right. I appreciate that. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you everyone. I hope you enjoyed. Well, until next time. <laughs>